Bam! Well, good to see everybody this evening. We are finishing up Daniel today, uh, coming to the end of this series. Um, it was funny this morning in service, uh, Michelle looked at me and she said, Did you talk to Pastor Kenny about what your message was on tonight? And I said, No. And she said, well, that's awful funny. You know, he's talking about the valleys and I'm talking about the trials. You know, those things are, are hand in hand right there. You know, but it has got me thinking about, uh, you know, my life and some things that I faced, uh, you know, early on. Uh, I was saved in uh, 1996 and uh, had been out of the military just for a little bit. And, um, you know, had come back to my church with mom and, <clears throat> you know, went to the altar. And there was a difference that time, you know, and I know I've shared that before, but. Uh, you know, looking back now and seeing some of the things that I went through, uh, you know, uh, early on and how God was moving and how I had to, you know, understand that God was moving and some things had to change. I had to give up some of those things that I thought was precious to me and start looking to things that I knew was precious to God. You know, so he had to increase and I must decrease uh, you know, and those small things started to happen in my life. And as we go through those trials, as we go through those valleys, it shapes us. It molds us, as Pastor Kenny said this morning. And it certainly has in my life. And I, I, I know you guys have a lot of the same stories of those perfect times when God came in and you had those perfect moments that nothing else made sense other than this is God. And he showed up at this very moment. And he's doing something in my life. I may not understand what it is, but I know that he is moving, and I know that he is seeking, and I know that he wants me in this perfect place, and he's calling me, hey, Dave, get yourself out of the way. Quit falling into that same old stuff and come to these new ways. Come to my ways. See through my eyes, through spiritual eyes, and start seeking those perfect things that I have for your life, and I will give you joy. I will give you peace. I will give you blessing. You know, and I, I see that when I when I got out of the military, I moved to Tennessee and started a job and had been working there. I think I worked at Exide maybe for about three years. And I made great money, started there as a temporary, as a fork truck driver. And within three years, I'd been promoted twice and was in a team leader position over the pasting department. We made the, the lead plates that went inside the batteries there. <clears throat> and um, had about eight lines and probably, I don't know, close to 30 team members, I guess, that was that was under me. And and God had really blessed and moved in my life. And then one day I came into work and they asked me, they said, hey, Dave, they said, we want you to do us a favor. I was like, well, sure. They said, we want you to go from day shift right now in your current position. We're bringing in a new supervisor on mid shift. We want you to go to mid shift and train this guy. I was like, okay, I can do that for a period of time. Well, they told me it'd be about two months. Well, two months came and gone. About three months came and gone. I went to him. I'm like, hey, guys, what's going on? And Michelle and I got married in the meantime, <clears throat> you know, and we had, you know, things that new, newly married people have. We had bills and all these kinds of stuff, but I knew that something was odd in my workplace. And I had to start praying about that, and I had to start seeking God's face. Well, in the end, they was doing me wrong. They had moved somebody, a friend of the supervisors and the uh, assistant managers and stuff on day shift. They'd move one of their buddies into my position that went out and drank with them and went to the clubs on the weekend and kicked me to second shift and was expecting me to go there. So I went and I, I called them on it. And I said, hey, I said, what in the world's going on here? I said, you know, I, this is what I did. I fulfilled my end of the agreement, but you haven't. And I'm ready to go back to day shift. I'm giving you an opportunity to make it right. 
And they lied to me right to my face. They told me, oh, we're not paying him team leader code, and you're looking at this all wrong. And I said, "Uh uh-uh, you're lying. And this is the manager of the plant that I'm talking to now. I said, you're lying. And I said, here's why you're lying. I show him a payroll report. I did payroll for all my people. And guess what? Their payroll cards was in the slot when I went and turned mine in. And I got a little picture of that. And I said, so you're lying. You guys are doing me wrong. I said, I'll tell you what, I'm going to give you two weeks to make it right. I said, because that's the right thing to do. Went back home, prayed about it a little bit more, thinking, oh, Lord, please save my job. And, you know, I made good money back then I mean, you know, for, for the times and where we was at. And, you know, it was scary. But I knew that if something didn't change, I couldn't work for those people no more. I couldn't continue to go in there and do what I was doing and have a good attitude and want to do the best job that I could for people that was going to lie to me. So anyway, long story short, went in a couple of weeks later, and they pretty much told me just to shut my mouth. Things wasn't going to change. The decision was made and to get back out on the floor and do the job that they was paying me to do. And I said, well, I said, you have the right to do that, and I have the right to turn in my two weeks' notice. I'm, I'll be gone in two weeks. And I left there. I had a friend of mine that I went to church with. He owned Vic Davis Construction uh, in Kingsport, Tennessee, and uh, he told me, he said, Dave, he said, you come to work for me. He said, I'll pay you, and, and you can use me, or you can stay here, you know, till you find something better or whatever. And he said, that's what I'm willing to do for you. He said, I need good workers. So I went there and stayed there for just a few months and then went to, XI, or went to AFG Glass in Rogersville, Tennessee, and worked there for about a year. In that time, I had been praying, you know, the whole time through that. That was a trial for me. It wasn't easy. I was making hard decisions, not only... For myself, but now for a wife, you know, trying to take care of them. You know, I said, God, I said, you know, I need something better. I want something better. And uh, Michelle and I had started praying about if we had children, she wanted to be able to stay home and raise the kids and, you know, that kind of thing. And, and we agreed that God could make that happen. And next thing you know, I'm moving back to West Virginia and going to the job that I have now where we've been able to make that happen. <clears throat> and it's nice when you're going through the trial those are no fun. Nobody, like Pastor Kenny said this morning, nobody's going to choose to go through that trial. But as you're going through them, you just keep taking that little step forward, trusting God and just having faith that he knows for me. I don't see it. I don't understand it. I don't know, and it hurts. It, 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 it keeps you up at night. It does all those things. But in the end, God knew that I was moving back to West Virginia. God knew that I was going to be working for Toyota. God knew that he was going to bless me with a job that Michelle could stay home and raise the kids. But I didn't know that at the time. But I see it now. And now I have a testimony of that. Of what God can do if you will allow him uh, to work in your life. Now I just think that's just... I know everybody has stories and that's just my story. But I wanted to share that this morning. Or this, uh, this evening. And just to let people know that... God is working. God is still that God that for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and for Daniel, and for these guys, it's the same God today that will supply our needs as well as we're walking through those trials and going through those valleys. So as we come here, we're, the sermon title today is God Supplies. He will supply for us as we go through our trials. And we'll be in uh, Daniel chapter 3, 19 through 25. So we see as we come through the last two Sundays of studying each evening, looking at the life of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, what have we learned? 
You know, how has God spoken to your heart through his word? I know most of you guys have been faithful, and I appreciate that, uh, over the last couple Sundays. Have you seen and understand better now how God has moved in the life of Daniel? And if you understand how he moved through these trials and through these things, how is he moving in your life now? What is his expectation for you as you're walking through this life and maybe you're facing your own trial or going through your own valley? What is it that God is speaking to you about? God's word to Daniel's time was to encourage uh, the Jewish people that was exiled during that time. And it was a tough time in their history. But God never did leave them nor forsake them. He was always there and he was always speaking with them. And he says that he'll do the same for us. How many of us are going through that tough time and we need to hear a word from God? Well, I'm telling you, he's speaking. Sometimes you may have to come to this church to hear it. Or sometimes you may have to seek out the right people in in order to hear that encouraging word. But if you want to change, you've got to seek God out. And he says that he will seek you back. He says, you come to me, you seek me, and I promise you that I will reveal myself to you through my word, through my people, through my faithful congregation at the church. Anytime we need to see him, he's there. Any questions you have that need to be answered, it's here. It's within his house. It's within his people. We have learned that God has full power. He has full authority. There is nothing that God cannot do. He possesses all control over all things. He is sovereign, Scripture tells us. It's his right and his power to do all that he declares to be done and all that he wants to do. How many of us put God in a box and walk right out of here tonight and the phone rings and we're like, oh my goodness, this just happened, what do I do? How many times does that happen? I know it happens to me all the time. But if we truly understand God for who he is, we know that he has the power to do all things. And that ought to be the first place that we go to as we're, as we're struggling through these trials. There are so many people that do not understand that peace for tomorrow comes from a relationship with God today. Let that sink in. Peace for tomorrow comes from a relationship with him today. I've got to seek him this day. I'm not promised tomorrow. But he tells me if I do go after him, he will show himself to me. When God is not in the picture and the decision making, when he's not in that equation, we're making decisions all on our own. And I'm here to tell you right now, I make the wrong decisions. But if I seek God and I pray for those things, I know that God will help me make the right decisions. Scripture tells us that God will supply for his people in every way and in every need that we have. Stress and anxiety shouldn't be taken on our shoulders, but it should be placed at the foot of the cross. And we can trust in God to do the rest. These are the things that we've learned over the last two weeks. We need to be more like children. Wouldn't it be nice just to go back to being a child? We didn't realize how good we had it then, did we? I mean, listen, they just ask their parents, and then the worry is on the parents. It's like, hey, Dad, I need blah. And then guess what? They don't worry about it anymore. The only thing that they're worried about is, hey, Mom, Dad's going to make that happen for me. I'm going to go on out here and play some ball and shoot some free throws. When I come back in, Mom, Dad's going to have an answer for that. Well, you know, I mean, that's kind of how God wants it to be with us. He wants us to share those things, maybe not the blah. But he wants us to share those things. He wants us to come to him 
and understand that we can't do it on our own. God, I need you to help me in the smallest of things because guess what? I will jack that up as well. That I can do well with it myself. I cannot do it. Not even in the little things. But if God is with me, guess what? I can conquer the world. I can move mountains. I can do those things because God is with me. Amen? In Daniel 1, we see that God, he came to Daniel in his time of need. Guess what? God is faithful. He came to Daniel. He can come to you. He gave Daniel favor in his time of need. How many of you pray for favor each day? If you do not, add it to the lineup. I'm telling you straight up right now. Add it. Things we need on a daily basis. We need God's favor. We need favor among our peers. We need favor among our teachers. We need favor among those that employ us. We need favor from our bosses. We need favor from everybody that we're around. Because guess what? If we have favor, we have relationship. If we have relationship, we have the opportunity to share God's word, to share that gospel that everybody needs to hear and to have. You know, he also didn't, he not only gave Daniel favor, he gave him wisdom, gave him understanding. Guess what? If you're not praying for wisdom and understanding, pray for those things. I pray for him at work. I work in a machining department. Every day there's a fault on a machine that a team member's never seen before. And they come to Dave and they're like, hey man, what do I do to get this fixed? I don't know. I ain't never seen that before either. What makes you think I'm any smarter than you? But guess what? God usually provides that wisdom that I need because in that morning I've prayed for that. God, help me to be able to do my job. Help me to do it, be able to do it to the best of my ability. Give me favor, O oh Lord. Give me wisdom, O oh Lord. Give me knowledge, O oh Lord, to deal with these situations because when you're dealing with people, you never know what you're going to get. So based on those things that God did for Daniel in chapter 1, we can, we can respond in obedience as Daniel did in chapter 2. So we can trust God for his protection. Do you know that you can trust God? Do you know that God wants the very best for you and for me? We can trust him in that. And guess what? We have to choose to walk in God's protection. It is a choice. It is a daily choice to get out of the bed, and even though I'm facing a trial or I'm going through the valley, it is a choice to say, how am I going to look at this? Is it going to be a woe is me day, and here we go again. I'm caught up in this old valley, and the world is just dragging me down and bogging me down, and there's nothing that I can do about it. You're defeated before your feet even hit the ground. Is that how we're going to respond? Or are we going to choose to walk in a positive light, understanding that God is in control and he will give me favor. He will give me wisdom. He will give me understanding. He will give me those things that I need that will make me better throughout the day. He will give me light at the end of the tunnel. He will give me positiveness. He will give me encouragement. He will give me peace and understanding as we go through those hard times. So the choice is on us. How do we choose to respond to the trials and to the valleys? We see that we have a choice, but we also, we have to fully surrender. Full surrender is not easy. It takes humility in order to fully surrender. Because I've got to say before man and everybody else, my children, who I want to be Superman in front of, I've got to say that daddy don't have it all figured out. 
Daddy needs help. I've got to go to somebody and say, hey, man, I don't have an answer to this. Pastor Kenny, I understand. I've been teaching Sunday school for a long time, but I don't understand. I need some wisdom here. I need a mentor to help me out and to tell me what, what's up and what's down. That's what it takes to fully surrender. In Philippians 4.19, Paul says, And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory in Jesus Christ. He shall. He shall supply. What we see from this is that when we fully surrender to God, God considers that an acceptable sacrifice before him. He says, oh, that smells good. Oh, that is nice. That is exactly what I want to see from my people. I know there's a lot of garbage going on down there. And I know it's pretty sinful. And there's people going around and doing some ungodly things. But you know what? That guy right there, he's got it figured out. And oh, I like that. That's pleasing to the Father. An acceptable sacrifice before God. And it is pleasing to Him. How many of you want to be pleasing unto God? That should be our daily desire. That should be what we want as we step out of the bed each day is seeking God to please Him. And then He says that all those other things, my job, the hard things with the kids, the hard things in life, trials and valleys and all those things, He says, I will supply you with what you need to get through those things. If we surrender. It is pleasing and it is an acceptable sacrifice. Paul was telling the Philippians that because their surrender and obedience, God would supply their, their needs in return. And what's that tell us? God takes care of his children. How many of you have testimony of God taking care of you? But how many of us the next day rise up and been like, God, where are you at, man? I need something else. You know? Is it ever good enough? It's never good enough, is it? There's always something else. It's always that next thing that I need. But I know that God takes care of his children. Luke 12, 22 through 28. Jesus says this, and I, I like this. I like these verses here. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, nor about the body or what you will put on. Life is more than food and the body is more than clothing. He says, consider the ravens, for they neither, neither sow nor reap, which have neither storehouse or barn. And God feeds them. How much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by worrying, could add one cubit to his stature? If you then are not able to do the least, why are you anxious for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If God so clothes the grass, which today is in the field and then thrown into the oven tomorrow, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? Life is simple if we let it be. But life can be complicated and chaotic if we allow it to be as well. It's all a mindset. It's all in how I'm going to look at it. Am I going to be positive or am I going to be negative? Am I going to look for opportunities while I'm going through the trial or while I'm walking through the valley? Am I going to look for opportunities or am I going to let it tear me down? People want to see you tore down. 
if they are not of Christ, if they are not of the light, if they are of the darkness. They love to see people of the light fall. They love to see them fail. I don't know about you, I'm pretty competitive. And uh, I, I don't want that to be my testimony. I want to stand strong. I want to stand firm when those times come. And I want to be that that light to that world that needs it. Full surrender, testing and growing through the little things, the stresses and anxiety of paying the bills, relationships, job situations, death of a loved one, those things that prepare us and shape us into what God wants us to be. Those are the things that we're talking about tonight that God says, surrender them, give them to me, come to the cross and lay them here. Let that be my burden, not your burden. I don't know about you this morning, but I was so pleased when Pastor Kenny had the altar call and I was able to come and to pray. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't have a whole lot that I prayed for for myself this morning, not saying that I don't need it, but I know a whole lot of people that's going through a whole lot of heartache right now. I know that they are in need. I know they need a touch. I've got friends that has, has cancer and just had surgery. Had another one that has a heart problem and just had surgery. Had a friend of mine that... Um, uh, at work that has gone through a divorce. Got another one that, that never was married and has a child and is fighting for the child. There's a lot of hurt out there. And you know who they come to in their time of need? They come to those people that they know are prayer warriors and those people that walk with God. Full surrender and obedience shows people who you are on a daily basis. Your actions speak louder than anything that you could ever say. And when they need prayer, they know who to come to. That's a testimony unto you when they do come to you. We see that small trials in the lives have now led to bigger decisions when we see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The king said to bow down to my idol and worship. We talked about this last week. Or your life will be required of you. And remember what the king boasted in himself and said? And who is the God who will deliver you from my hand? Bold statement. And they answered uh, the king in verse 16. He said, in that case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from that fiery furnace, O king. And he will deliver us from your hand, no matter how arrogant and no matter how big and bad you think you are. And that's just me. That's Dave Atwell interpretation there. But if not, let me be, let it be known to you that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the golden image which you have set up. The boys took a stand, didn't they? We talked about that last week. Of how hard it is at times to take a stand. I told you I had to cut off friendships. Because I knew that that was not good for me. And I needed something else. I couldn't be around that. I wasn't strong enough. I wasn't fed enough in Christ. I didn't have enough meat. I didn't have enough fiery darts to be able to fight those things off. But praise God I knew I was smart enough. God give me wisdom enough to know that I I couldn't do that. I had to get away from it. Sometimes we have to make hard decisions in our lives. And we have to choose who we're going to follow that day. And those happen when we're in those trials and we're in those valleys. That brings us to our text today. We're in chapter 3, 19 through 25. And I'll read that real quick. Then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury, it says. And the expression on his face changed 
towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He spoke and commanded that the, they heat the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. And he commanded certain mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into that burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their trousers, and their turbans, and their other garments, and were cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose in haste and spoke, saying uh, to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? And they answered and said to the king, True, O king. Look, he answered in verse 25, I see four men now loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we do give you praise, God, for who you are. God, we do thank you for this word that you are giving us tonight, God. I pray that you would open the ears, Lord, of of everyone that is here. God, help our hearts to see how we can be better for you. And God, how we can move forward uh, in uh, the trials of our lives and in the valleys of our lives, knowing that you have our backs, O oh God. That we can trust in you and all these things, Lord, as we walk through. God, I pray that you would give us, as we take those steps of faith, God, I pray that you would bless with that peace that only you can give, God. And help us to see your ways today, Lord, I pray. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So February 28th, 2018, there was a pastor by the name of Pastor Florescu and his son Alexander, and they were arrested and imprisoned for participating in a Christian church, an underground church in Romania. Pastor Florescu couldn't bear to watch his son being being beaten by the communist officers, and he, he, the pastor himself, had already been beaten, and he had not slept for two weeks because of being attacked and the starving rats that the communists had forced into his prison cell. The Romanian police wanted Florescu to give up other members of his underground church so that they too could be captured. And of course he had to have known that they would be tortured and be treated just as he was treated. Seeing that the beatings and torture wasn't working on him, the communists brought in Florescu's son, Alexander, He was 14 years old when they brought him in. And they began beating the boy right in front of his dad. While Florescu watched, they hammered his son's body unmercifully, telling the pastor that they would beat his son to death unless he told them the locations of the other underground churches and some of the locations of the people that were members of those churches. Finally, half mad, Florescu screamed to them to stop. Stop beating my son. Stop it. He hadn't slept in two weeks. Could you imagine sitting there watching this take place in front of you with one of your children? Alexander, I must say what they want, he called out to his son. I can't bear your beatings anymore. 
his body bruised and blood running from his nose and mouth, Alexander looked his father in the eye, and you know what he said? He said, Father, don't do to me the injustice of having a traitor as a parent. He said, stand strong. If they kill me, I die with the words of Jesus on my lips. The boy's courage enraged enraged the communist guards, and they beat him to death in front of his father as he watched. Not only did he hold on to his faith, but he helped his father to do the same. When we think about our trials and our valleys, I don't know how bad they are in comparison to the pastor's and what he went through. Some of the things that we have to do is a decision just to stand firm on God's word. It might be cutting off relationships. It might be cutting off friendships, uh, all those types of things that we might have to give up in order for that to happen. But it is definitely not on the scale of this. We are so blessed in our nation. We are so blessed in this country to have the freedoms that we have to be able to come and assemble and to pray and to worship openly to God and God alone. And I'm telling you, what if this was you? What if that was your child there? I'm telling you, my friend, that is a trial. That is a valley. That is about as bad as it's going to get. Just as Pastor Florescu and his son Alexander and also Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, guess what they had to do? They had a decision to make, didn't they? We know that being faithful does not always come easy or come without a price. But one thing that we do know is this. God provides the courage to face the trial. In verse 19, Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury Scripture tells us, and he was enraged at the men and what they said, standing before him in the presence of all the people around him there at that time. He was embarrassed. He's the king. How dare you talk back to me like that? This was total defiance, and the king would not let this go unpunished. They drew a line in the sand. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, I don't care what you're going to do to me. Just as Alexander said, I don't care what you're going to do to me. If my life is required of me today, I'll die with Jesus' words on my lips, his name on my lips. And what did he do? He told the commander, he said, heat the furnace seven times hotter. It's seven times hotter than normally heated. Letting everyone know that he was angry and that his wrath was coming. I will not put up with this. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was looking death in the eye and responded with the calm assurance that the God that they served, he was the one who was really in control. God is sovereign. I don't care the situation or how big and bad the king thinks he is and how much control he thinks he has. What God says goes. Not what man says. Amen? So you see, we can walk in the same faith and courage knowing that this is not all there is. How many of us get so burdened and so down in that trial and in that valley that we just we can't see tomorrow and don't even want to face it? We get so bogged down in life that everything has to do with today and how it's affecting me today. I can't see a month down the road when God is going to pull me out of this. Trials are that way, guys. 
when things get hard like that, it will, it burdens you to all I can see is how I feel right now. And just give me another drink, give me another pill, give me whatever to make this pain go away. Because that's all I'm worried about today is to make this pain stop today. But the God that we serve may not answer us today. We may have to go that month. We may have to go that year. Whatever that is. But guess what? God will answer in his time because he is in control and he is faithful and he will answer. The king commanded in verse 20 that some of his mighty men of valor were, were in his army to bind those men and to cast them into the fiery furnace. Now, this is the king's own bodyguards. This is the best of the best that he has around him. He's saying, bind them and throw them in. So what do you suppose was going through the minds of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego at this time? Rubber's meeting the road right here, man. I mean, this is everything coming to a climax. This is where everything, it don't get no harder than this. It don't get no hotter than this in the fire. Your feet is in it. It's in the pan and it's hot and it death is, is facing you. What do you do in that moment? Do you cry out for mercy from this king? Do you cry out to the person that is oppressing you, that's saying they're going to take your job because you're making a stand for Christ? Or do you cry out to God, the one who is truly in control of all things and pulls the strings on all things? When the trials come, when those valleys come, we get weak, we get battered, we get beat down. And the very last thing that we see sometimes is God. And the very last thing we want to do sometimes is go to God. But that should always be our instinct, our first reaction. By the way, if you don't pray for those things, pray that on a daily basis. God, may you be my knee-jerk reaction today. Muscle memory when it comes to shooting free throws. The more you shoot them, you develop a muscle memory. As Christians, we should have that same thing. Our reflex should be Jesus. My reflex should always be Jesus. So what about Pastor Florescu as he was beating them without sleep for weeks and then watching his son brutally killed in front of him at the age of 14 before his very eyes watching him get beat? You see, God never says that bad things won't happen and bad times won't come. He never says that. Matter of fact, we see a whole lot of examples of just that happening in Scripture and seeing how people respond You know, as history is written, how are you going to respond? What are your children going to remember about you and how you handled that hard situation? Or are they going to say, well, Dad always took the easy way out. That's that's good enough for me. It's good enough for Dad. It's good enough for me. Or are they going to say that Dad realized that he didn't have it all figured out and he didn't have the power to do anything? And dad went and hit his knees, prayed about that situation because he knew, he knew where to go when things got tough. What is our children going to say? They're watching us. This 14-year-old boy, what must he have seen and been around at 14 years old to look his father in the eyes as he's already been beaten, beaten to a pulp, sitting there bleeding and knowing death is imminent? Dad, hey man, don't worry about it. I understand you taught me about Jesus. I know who Jesus is. And guess what? 
I don't have to worry about you right now, Dad, coming and saving me from this. Because I know my Heavenly Father is the one who is really in control. And He's got this. And if He requires me today to come into His presence, so be it. But don't worry about it, Dad, because I got Jesus on my, on my mind. I have Scripture on my lips. I've got Jesus on my lips. Do you know that God has a promise for your life? And that promise is, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Moses says in Deuteronomy 31.6, he says, Be strong, be of good courage, do not fear, do not be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Even though we don't fully understand life sometimes and why bad things happen, does not change the fact that God is real and he's there and he's fighting for you. Jesus is seated right now at this very moment at the right hand of power, acting as intercessor for me and for you. And our decisions to follow him, no, no matter what, that is God's expectation for our lives. No matter what comes, no matter what trials or what valleys, no matter what, his expectation is, follow me, trust me, have faith in me. On that day in the garden with Adam and Eve, the garden was created as perfection for his perfect creation to live and for everything to be in harmony. But we know what happened in that garden. Man chose to go a different way, didn't he? Sin entered in. Man chose to go a different way. So guess what? From that point on, there was consequences to sin. Bad things come. Bad things come. It's not always sin that leads to it, but it is a lot of times. Trials and valleys and those things, they all go hand in hand. Verse 21 here says that the men were bound in their coats, their trousers, their turbans, and other garments, and they were cast into the fiery furnace. You see in verse 22, those bad things were now imminent for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It tells us that the king's command was so urgent and the furnace was heated so hot that the flame of the fire killed those men who took God's servant in to throw them into the fire. He lost some of his best troops to take them up and to throw them in. Verse 23 says that God's servants fell into the fire with them as they went to throw them in. Which leads us to our next point. God will show himself in the trials of his people. Sometimes we must dig deep to allow ourselves to see the good in the midst of our trials. In most cases, God is showing himself to people in tragedy. His face is there for us to see as we're walking through these things. We can recognize him as God, Father, and caring and compassionate. And all those things that we need as we're going through them. For these guys here all seem lost to these men. At this point, they knew that death was there and they was going to, they was going to see God. Everyone looking, at, looking on saw the king's, consume, king's guards consumed before they even got to the fire. So how could God's servants live through that? Verse 24 says, the king was astonished. It says he rose up in haste and spoke saying to his counselors, did we not just cast in three people into that fire? So what was going through the king's mind at this point? 
He must have thought his mind was playing tricks on him or something. That fire's so hot, man, I'm seeing things that ain't even there. But that wasn't it at all. You know who showed up? God showed up. God was on the scene. He was the fourth man in the fire that day. So we know that three went in. Guess what? When they fell into that fire, they went through a shaft. Down in the bottom of that, you have these big stones that created this furnace, and you had the air ducts that come in, and they pumped in more air that, you know, it made it hotter. And then they was adding whatever type of fuel, wood, or whatever they was burning to make this thing hot. This kept getting hotter and hotter and hotter. You know, and, and for them to look in after these men fell in and to see them in there kind of walking around was the very last thing that they was expecting. But God did show up here to these people and they, that needed to see him fully. And to better understand him, God showed up. The fact that God saved Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is an awesome miracle that only God can do. But it really wasn't the big story here. What happened that day when God showed up was a testimony to who he is before those people so they could understand that this was God, big G, and not of the gods, little g. That was God in his mercy, his compelling mercy, saying, hey, see me for who I am. Understand that I am God and there is no other. Who else can do these things? Oh, king, you was asking earlier, who can take you out of my hand and, and take, uh, I control your lives and, and who can undo those things? And at that moment, God showed up and he said, guess what? I can. That's the God we serve. But he is a God of love and mercy because what he did that day was not for the three That goes for us, man. We would probably much rather be in heaven right now. But he does those things for those that do not see him for who he truly is. Because if they do not recognize Jesus, if they do not recognize God for who he is, and they die in that sin, guess what? They're eternally lost. Scripture says there is no hope for them that do not call on the name of Jesus and are not saved and washed clean by the blood of Jesus Christ. If they go that day and they die that day, they are done. And that's what Christ, that's what God recognized here. Do you know that God knows your actions? He knows your thoughts. He knows your words before you even think or do. God is not only all-knowing, He is all-powerful. God is everywhere. There is no escaping His presence. He is eternal. He is not limited by time. He is full of goodness. He is gracious. And He is holy, holy, holy. Why do we seek for things from anywhere else when God has it all? That's who God is to us. That's who we serve. That's why we're here. Otherwise, we're just wasting our time, resources, and money. If we don't see God for who He truly is and we're serving Him... God is revealing himself to you here tonight. This is an opportunity tonight that if you do not know Jesus, to come to Jesus Christ and to lay your life at his feet. It's the same God that in his mercy was calling to the king and to his counselors and to all those pagan worshipers that was there that was seeing this go down that day. That is the same God. The question is, is will you accept his call? Is God convicting you? Will you change? If you're a Christian and you have sin, will you repent? 
If you are not saved, will you call on the name of Jesus Christ? I've said it before, and I'll say it again. We know the end story as Christians. We know that Christians win. We know that because God wins and we are his people. I want to be on the winning team. And you know, in order to make that happen, we might have to lose a little pride. We might have to lose a little ego. And we may have to surrender. And we may have to not be big macho in front of everybody anymore. But you know what? That's fine with me. Because God is the superhero. God is the supernatural. God is supreme. He is all authority. And if I've got to yield to that, then so be it. Praise his holy name. If for what he has done for me, I will yield for that happily. And I will look you dead in the eye and tell you I have no qualms with that whatsoever. And you need to do it too. Amen. God did show himself in verse 25. Look, he answered, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire and they are not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. We see in verse 25 that the king exclaimed that there was a fourth man in the fire and he was walking around with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The big stones that the furnace was built on allowed them men to walk and they were in there and they was walking right around, just strutting, having a good old time and everybody else was looking on saying, what in the world is going on here? It, it said that their bonds, that the, the, their hands was bound and they were tied and that the, that the furnace burnt, the fire burnt those bonds off of them and everything else was okay. God answers things in amazing ways. When we go uh, to God in the midst of the trials, you know what he'll do for us? He'll loosen those shackles on us as well. He'll loosen those bonds, those things that bind us up. If we take them to him, he will loosen those and he will, he will rid of those for us as well. Let me ask you this. Who here needs peace? Amen. Peace. Who needs love? Who needs compassion in their lives? Who needs friendship? Who wants friendship? Who wants leadership? Who wants wisdom? Who wants understanding, favor? Most of all, who wants contentment? If I'm content in life, my circumstances don't matter. God bless me with contentment. Help me to be satisfied with not keeping up with the Joneses and just keeping my eyes on you. God possesses all things and he gives all things. The king's fourth man was like the son of God. How could he know that? He didn't know Jesus, but he knew what he was witnessing was a divine moment, didn't he? Something that only God can do. And this was just not any God. This was the God who created everything that was showing up here. The same God that's calling to you tonight. The doctrine of the triune God was fully revealed, wasn't fully revealed until Jesus' time, but we do see clues of that preparing humanity for the truth, and we see that in the pre-incarnate Jesus that was in that fire there today, or in that moment. The Old Testament makes about 80 references of such things, of the Spirit of God anticipating the arrival of the Messiah and speaking to the Trinity of God, and we see that. In this moment is one of those times that it was introduced. God allows his people to be part of the trial. That's our third point. Being part of the trial means that we get to see the result. Isn't it nice sometimes to be able to see the result? As we walk through those trials, as we go through those valleys, to get to see the result. How many people do you know have been praying for loved ones for years and have never seen them come to Christ? 
How many of them do you know that have passed away and never got to see it come to be? I know plenty that have prayed for their children, their grandchildren, their brothers, their sisters, and never got to see it come to be. And I praise God for those moments that I get to see finality, that I get to see prayers answered, and I get to see those things come. Nebuchadnezzar got to witness that. God miraculously showed himself to Nebuchadnezzar and to his court that day. Those men came out of that fire unscathed, nothing. Not even the smell of smoke was on their clothes. Could you imagine what was going through those people's minds that day and how they saw God show up? When God shows up in your life, it's no more miraculous than this right here. Because God did that for you. And that is your testimony to share with others. God wants to be that God for you tonight. The question is, is will you give him that opportunity? When God enacts a miracle, he supernaturally controls every detail. And his power is unmistakable. Salvation offered by the Lord is so effective and complete that nothing of the lost condition remains. What God does, he does to perfection. And what God does, he's offering to you tonight. And that is the call to you tonight, guys. If somebody's here that does not know Jesus, tomorrow is not guaranteed. We never know. How many people do you know that left the ball game one night and was on their way home and was killed in a car wreck? How many people do we know that left church and was on their way home and had a heart attack? Are we willing to pass by one more day without making things right? Christians, what is it God is asking you What is it that God is calling you to? Are you willing to let it go another time? Each time we let it go, our heart grows harder. The tenderness that we have to the Spirit has kind of dampened a little bit. Are we going to continue to just let it go or are we going to yield? If you want and need the salvation experience or feel you need to make decisions to recommit... We are here to talk with you tonight, and I pray that you will give it a lot of thought, and you will make it right before it is is too late. Let's close in prayer.